so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As a reminder, you can sign up to receive our Weekly Tech email briefings each Monday morning at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. I'm so glad to be back with you after our summer break. Hopefully you were able to check out two of the new Weekly Tech interviews that we posted in July with Jay Kim and Trillia Newbell. We talked about Jay's new book, Analog Church, and about kids and technology with Trillia. Both were really fun conversations that you can check out at jasonbacker.com slash podcast. Today's big story comes out in the middle of a really busy couple weeks on the technology front where we have major technology company CEOs testifying before Congress. We have lots and lots of questions surrounding technology. And one of the big stories that didn't receive as much fanfare when it came out, um, but a good bit still, was a new AI system debuted by OpenAI over the last few weeks. OpenAI released a paper describing this system back in May, and over the last few weeks have opened it up to a closed beta, which basically means that certain users can start to experiment and play along with the technology to see how it works. And according to Morning Brew, GPT-3, which is the name of the AI system, was trained on roughly a trillion words. And in layman's terms, that means this AI system is incredibly powerful and can do, honestly, some really fun stuff. The company decided to host this closed beta for select users to test out the system, and many started to share their experiments online to show off the power and the ingenuity of the new system. And the results were pretty fascinating and interesting. The system was able to write various prose and dialogue. It was able to design and code basic HTML, including various mini applications. It was even able to engage in not-so-deep philosophical conversations about the nature of God and the universe with you. It's a really fun tool that these developers have come out with. And as news and examples of what this system could do continue to come out, I was really struck by the mood of many people who were playing with the system or using it, including a tweet by a San Francisco developer that read, Playing with GPT-3, the name of the system, it feels like I'm seeing the future. For many, this advancement in AI seemed to foreshadow a future of incredibly powerful and flexible systems, many of which we talk about in the form of artificial general intelligence, or AGI. And if you're not familiar with AGI, that's totally fine. There are basically two ways to talk about artificial intelligence, what's called narrow AI, which is really the only type of AI that we know to exist and that we have, and then artificial general intelligence, or AGI, which is really called human-level intelligence. This dream of creating an artificial general intelligence in many ways is a utopian dream of AI systems that are as smart and capable as you and I are, which may grow to even transcend humanity over time in the form of superintelligence. 
And if all of this sounds like a Hollywood movie plot or a sci-fi novel, you're not alone. This is a highly debated topic within the AI and technology communities, with most projecting that this possibility, as they put it, would come to fruition in 20 to 100 years, which seems like a pretty large gap. But it's just close enough to seem that it's obtainable, but far enough away that you probably won't be in the public eye to know if you're wrong. But these type of future AI dreams are premised on a very simple understanding of humanity and what makes us what we are. Much of the scientific community around us has discarded any concept of faith or religion and how they talk about what makes us human, what makes us distinct from the rest of the world. A typical way this is spoken of is through the lens of a materialistic worldview that simply states that everything in our world is made up of material or substance and that nothing really spiritual or other dimensional exists. There's no faith and there's nothing really spiritual about our world. This worldview is used to say that human intelligence, consciousness, emotions, everything about the idea of who we are and who you are are simply results of chemical reactions or processes in the brain rather than something distinct like a soul or any form of the spiritual. From a Christian worldview, our minds and our consciousness are not simply the result of some chemical reaction or even an organic algorithm, as some have put, and this view has been really popularized by many thinkers, including the wildly popular you all know Harari and Ray Kurzweil. This summer, I spent a lot of time digging into the works of the late philosopher Roger Scruton, where he describes in his book On Human Nature and the Soul of the World, where he describes this fallacy of how subjective experiences rise from the materialistic worldview. Any type of this subjective experience is really what I'm talking about with human intelligence or recognition or consciousness. And if you haven't checked out a lot of Scruton's work, I really encourage you to grab some of these short and accessible, but in many ways still dense volumes where he eloquently breaks down this idea of a materialistic worldview accounting for everything in our world, including us and our consciousness. As the news cycle continues to move forward and new issues take the spotlight, many may have missed how quickly people were to acknowledge that the system GPT-3, this model, didn't really exhibit any of the signs of actual human intelligence, even if the system could do really impressive things that were previously unbelievable or where we didn't even think an AI system could do that. This longing in us to create a system or a general intelligence reveals something a bit ironic about our longings and desires as a humanity that I don't want us to miss. We often seek to humanize our creations, i.e. our technologies, while all the while dehumanizing ourselves, treating ourselves as less than human and less unique than we really are, while we try to humanize these machines and make them more than they really are. This desire really reflects in a way of our desire to be like God and to create something in our image. And we end up having to dumb ourselves down and to treat ourselves as if we're just merely machines rather than the unique image bearers of the living God. If you're interested in diving a little bit more into the idea of AGI or consciousness or what this might mean for the future of humanity, back in June, I released a really enlightening conversation with Professor John Lennox of Oxford, where we talk about this very idea that you can check out at jasonthacker.com podcast. Also, if you want to read a little bit more about the story we talked about today on Weekly Tech, you can check out my new article today at erlc.com. The link will be in the show notes. Well, each week we end with the rundown, which is four to five different technology stories that you should be aware of as you prepare for the week ahead. First up is a story from Axios, where the new CEO, the American CEO of TikTok, said that they're going to reveal how their algorithm works. 
In his first public statement, the CEO of TikTok, the former Disney executive Kevin Mayer, said that the company will be releasing the code that drives a lot of its content moderation algorithms so that experts can observe how its policies are enforced in real time. If you followed anything lately about TikTok, you'll realize that TikTok has been in the news a lot lately, from the presidential administration talking about a possible ban to a lot of concerns about privacy issues and connections with the Chinese Communist Party. TikTok has been under considerable fire as of late. This move by this new CEO of TikTok is hopefully going to open up and create a little bit more transparency with TikTok. But what is yet to be seen is this type of relationship, this reciprocal relationship that they have with the Chinese Communist Party that's causing so much of the concern surrounding the app. This unprecedented move really comes as a way to diffuse a lot of the privacy and security concerns from U.S. lawmakers about this app and its data harvesting capabilities for the Chinese government. It'll be interesting to see how this is received. Next up is a story from the Wall Street Journal about how Facebook is trying to reel in a lot of the TikTok creators that have helped the app to go viral. As we talked about with TikTok earlier, Facebook's Instagram has made lucrative offers to many of the popular TikTok users to join a competing service. Facebook is planning to unveil this new service called Reel next month in competition with TikTok. Instagram has offered major financial incentives to certain TikTok users that have millions of followers in order to persuade them to use Reel instead. These potential payments have been estimated to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in many ways to help get this new service, this competition to TikTok, off the ground. This just really goes to show the influential nature of TikTok and how viral it has really become, especially in the midst of the pandemic. It'll be really interesting to see how the rise of competitors alongside TikTok affect the type of offerings that we receive and also the security and privacy concerns surrounding the app. Next up is a story in Axios about how the tech liability fight over Section 230 has really come back into focus over the last few weeks. The debate in Washington is really heating up over technology issues again. In recent weeks, we've seen major technology CEOs testify before Congress, which we'll be talking about here soon on Weekly Tech, as well as a continued debate over Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. If you're not familiar with Section 230, it's essentially a part of this Communication Decency Act passed by Congress back in 1996 which seeks to immunize online platforms against lawsuits over moderation practices and user-posted content. In many ways, it's a liability shield for these online companies that have really given rise to the modern internet, where we have social media companies where we're able to post our thoughts and our actions and really engage in these platforms as ourselves. Many see this legislation to really get at a lot of these technology companies and the policies that they have. But honestly, it's probably still a pretty tall order to move any type of major technology legislation before the November election. The last story for this week comes from the Wall Street Journal about how Google is announced that it's going to be keeping its employees to work at home until summer of 2021. Now, tech was really one of the first industries to send its workers home when COVID-19 first hit the United States. And they've also been among the most cautious about bringing their workers back on these campuses. Some of these technology giants have allowed their workers to work from home indefinitely, which has caused some really interesting conversations, specifically in the Bay Area, where prices and cost of living and homes are so expensive, where many people are saying that they're going to be moving to other parts of the country because they're able to work from home forever. 
Google will keep its employees home at least until next July, making the search engine giant one of the first major U.S. corporations to formalize this extended timetable in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. This affects nearly all of their employees and puts added pressure on other technology companies that have slated their staffs to return as soon as January. I want to thank you for listening to Weekly Tech. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd ask that you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. And also to spread the word about Weekly Tech by sharing these episodes with friends and colleagues. As a reminder, you can always find the show notes as well as all of the links that we talk about at jasonthacker.com slash podcast. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.